Ever have any regrets? Do y'all ever have any regrets? I heard someone say that they didn't have any regrets, and you know what I thought? You are a liar. <laughs> Come on. I have regrets from this last week. I have regrets from yesterday. I live with some regret, don't you? And I love this time of year. I love when we regather. And I thought this might be a natural time that we would regather and welcome the family home because it's been a while, hasn't it? And, and that's so important. And some of my friends and our, some of our staff are big video gamers and they like to play games. And then, then there's that opportunity to press the reset button after you've had so many lives. But many of us, and maybe you're experiencing that, need a new start. Don't we? Don't you want a new start? And we wish we could just wipe the slate clean and start afresh like a video game and get so many more lives. And Within the heart of God, he does that for us. To me, the Lord's Supper, when we celebrate the host and the loaf, that's one of those times where we can reset and restart our spiritual life. And there are times where even that is not enough. And so the question then becomes, are you craving a new start? In our first service this morning, we had a family... And it was interesting. They had two college students, their two youngest, and they were, going, they were going back to school, and they told me. So we got a little division in our family going on right now, and I, I expressed concern. And they said, yes, she's going to IU, and he was going to the other school. <laughs> and they were wondering which flag would fly higher in their family. And I knew the answer already. IU was going to fly higher. So even in our families, we want a new start. And the, the sense of it is, is that we all have regrets because we've all made some bad decisions based on some flawed assumptions. And some of us, it's been in our marriages that we thought we married the right person and then we realized that maybe we married the wrong person and so then we went through a, a, a divorce in a, another season and then we thought we married the right person and maybe the wrong, wrong, it turned out to be the wrong person and we started over again and we got serial relationships and that was based on the assumption that a right person would be the right fit and we'd always feel the same way all the time. It didn't work out. For some of our teens, they're experimenting with their sexuality and they think that, you know, having sex at this age or that age and I'm single and I should be able to do whatever I want. There shouldn't be any emotional or physical or mental consequences. And then all of a sudden they're in their mid-20s and say, I regret so many things that I've done. And God's word is there to provide us a, a guide and a boundary and a place for us to protect us if we would just only listen now, last week I preached from the Luke chapter 15 from the story of the lost son of the prodigal. And today we're going to revisit it. And, and where we're going to see that young man, this brash young man that 
threw away his inheritance, that, that, that basically disowned his father and said, I wish you were dead, who misspent all his money on partying and on prostitutes. He ends up in the pig pen. And I could just imagine him walking out to the pig pen with two pails of slop to feed the pigs. And this is the lowest of the low moment in this young man's life. And it's one of those moments where we end up in the pig pen. But I want to encourage you that sometimes God does some of his best work in the pig pens of our lives. Have you ever been there? I have. I've been in the pig pen. And God doesn't leave us there. Jesus doesn't leave us there. He doesn't leave us in the pig pens of our lives. And isn't that exciting and encouraging that he does that kind of thing for us? This morning, if you're in Luke chapter 15, like I said, I hope that you're using version and following along. If you're online today, I, I thank you for joining us. But in verse 17 of Luke, I want you to, to see this. When he came to himself... This is this young man. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? There's an important phrase, more than one, in this passage. It says, when he came to himself, in some of your translations, in some of your Bibles, it says, when he came to his senses. Have you ever came to your senses? Maybe you've had a, a work partner, a, an associate, a child, a spouse that came to their senses. Or maybe you've been praying for a neighbor that they would come to their senses. And maybe you've either said your piece and said it kindly and civilly. You may not realize where you're heading. But this is the outcome of what you're doing in a kind way. Or maybe you've just kept your mouth shut and thought, I don't think that I can say anything or speak anything into their lives at this moment. But when they crash and when they hit their pig pen, maybe I can speak kindly and lovingly into their lives. Because reality hits, doesn't it, in the pig pens. Some of you here today were in the pig pen last night or this last week. And you're just now coming to your senses. Others of you, it was a long time ago. But you can remember that moment where you came to your senses. You can remember the smells. You can remember what you saw and where you were and what was going on. Because when you have that moment and you come to your senses, 
you remember what coming home was like. Remember that? Today, this young man, this prodigal, it can be a male or a female, it can be young or old, came to their senses because they made three discoveries in their life, in his life. And we make these discoveries in our own lives as well. The first discovery is that coming home begins when you want to leave where you are. How many of you like the pig pen and want to waller there? I know of a young man right now who's making some poor choices in his married life, and he's heading for the pig pen. Many of us have been there, and it's go, it will go too far and go too long, and the consequences will be too deep, and, and the ripple effect will be for generations. And all I can do is watch and warn, kindly and gently, that he's heading the wrong way. And hopefully he will come to his senses. And maybe he will remember at that moment what it was like and where he was and what it smelled like and what it looked like so he wouldn't have to go through that again so coming home begins when, to, when you want to leave where you are second coming home begins when you reflect on your life I've gone through a season over the last month or so and, and I had a project in Toastmasters, and Toastmasters has really helped me become a better preacher and a better speaker. So if you ever want to become a better speaker or preacher, I'd recommend that. But one of my projects at Toastmasters was to monitor my mood every day and the change in my emotions. And what I realized through that project was that I was powering my way through life. I wasn't paying attention to my emotions and what my moods and what's going on. I was tunnel focused on getting things done and moving the ball down, down the court or down the field. And as I started taking into account what I was feeling, and I have to ask myself periodically several times during the day, how am I doing? What am I feeling? Why am I feeling this? Then it helped me get a handle on what was going on around me and in me but that took a time of reflection now you don't want to dwell there too long because if you get too deep into this reflection it can lead to depression can it have you ever been there but to take into account where we are and why we are and that prodigal that young man arrived at this point in his life and he was saying hey my father's servants are better off than this. When they take care of our animals, they have food to eat, a place to stay. He takes care of them. Here I am in a foreign land in a pig pen wishing that I could eat the slop. And all of a sudden he realized the mistake that he had made and how far and how long and what the consequences were of his actions. I think we have to come to that on our own at times. There are going to be people around us say, hey, 
Stop. Don't. Quit. Do you know what you're doing? But until it hits our heart and it comes to roost inside of us in that moment of reflection, it doesn't change. It can't occur. I've got a good friend that's spent a couple hundred thousand on his kid to keep him out of jail and keep him in, what, what do you call them, in sight, inpatient drug rehabs. And to the point that the father's almost broke and, and it's still, the son is still running and drugging and doing all the wrong things. And I've said to the father, I've said several times, you need to back off. You, you don't need to spend the money. Let him hit the wall. Let him, let him experience that because until he does, he's not going to change. And then it becomes a struggle with the father. But if you'll notice in the story, the father doesn't do that, does he? It's until the son has that moment and he comes to his senses. So coming home begins when you want to leave where you are. Coming home begins when you want to reflect, when you reflect on your life. And then coming home begins when you take a step toward God. And to me, I think this is the most important step. The most important discovery is there's no one else in the universe that can mend a heart and mend a life and transform it like our Father God. And so that son says to himself, I think I'll go home. I think I will have a talk with my dad and and I will say, like he says in verse 18, I will rise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Now, I take my grandkids to Cornerstone every day. That's my opportunity. They show up about a quarter after seven in the morning and I deliver them to the school around 8.15 or thereafter. And that's quality time for me and my grandkids. I love them. I'm crazy in love with them. If you are not a grandparent yet, you, you just don't get it. And that just tells me a little bit about the crazy love for God. But they know me so well. And when I'm having, having something going on in my head, I, I, I talk out loud to myself and I answer myself. You know what they say? Pop, pop, you're doing it again. They do. They do. They know. Oh, pop, pop, you're not. They do. That's how they, they love on me. They respect me. And I don't even realize it at times. Do you ever do that? This prodigal was having that heart-to-heart in his head over and over again as he was coming home. You know, Dad, I know you love me. I know you warned me. You had all kinds of barriers. But I still did what I shouldn't have done. I don't deserve to be your son. I've, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against God. I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy. Can't I just be a hireling? That's what he rehearsed. That brings me to the question, why do you think it took so long for this boy to come to his senses? Why did it take so long? Well, let me tell you, this is something that I didn't know about until a few weeks ago. Say with, with me this word, Kezazah. Let's try that again. First service actually beats you today. Kezazah. 
That's Hebrew for cutting off. Now, don't get that confused with circumcision. That's a different cutting off. But this cutting off has to do with the community that this young man came from, the Hebrew community. And what Kezazah is about is that what this young boy did just did not sin against his father, but it sinned against the community because he took what he had, which was of Israel, and he threw it away. He blew it among the Gentiles, and it reflected on the community. And so what he could expect is this. That when he came into back to community, this is what would happen. That the community, if they saw him first, would run and get a clay pot because clay pots were common and familiar in the community. This is what they stored things in. They were very easily made. And what they would do is they would line up as this young prodigal who was lost, who had broken relationship, had had disregarded what was sacred and what was holy. And one by one, they would go by and they would break that clay pot. And that would symbolize... Their broken relationship with community, broken relationship with God, that they could never, ever be restored. The pieces could never be put back together again. And he knew that when he came home, that that would be how he would be greeted with shame and guilt and unforgiveness because he was broken. Not only did the son know this, but the Father knew this. And so, if you look in that passage, if you look in that scripture, what does it say? When that father saw that son, he was looking for him. He knew his walk. He knew his gait. He knew his silhouette. It was, he was, he was far away. And he saw him coming. And what did that father do? He ran to his son because he loved him. In fact, the word ran is an athletic word that means that he was racing to his son. Why? Because he did not want him to experience Kezazah because that wasn't the message that he wanted him to hear. He wanted him to know that that his father loved him. There was no Kezazah. He was going to be fully restored. He threw his arms around him. It was emotional. It was a welcome home. And you see, the Heavenly Father is doing it for each one of you. See, if you're living with that guilt and with that shame, it is by your choice. Because God's forgiveness is complete. It is total. We don't deserve his grace. We don't deserve his love. But when he sees you come in, what does he do? He runs for you. He throws his arms around you. 
He restores you in relationship. Other religions practice kizazah, but that's not in Christ. That is not of Christ. That is not Christian. That's not biblical. See, the Heavenly Father is running toward you because He loves you. He cares about you. He wants that broken relationship to be restored. Now, for some of you, you just need to repent. And God will totally, totally forgive you. His grace is good. Amen? For some of you who've never known that kind of love, never experienced that kind of grace, you're not sure about this Heavenly Father, and you're not even sure that you believe in God. Remember, like I asked you folks last week to say and to pray, if you actually exist, God, will you please show me, prove to me that you exist. This morning, the Heavenly Father is running toward you because he loves you. He has this crazy, crazy kind of love that he has for you, that kind of crazy grace that we don't deserve. And that is emotional as well as it is mental. We can know it, but we don't feel it. But I want you to feel that today. Would you feel that with me? As we stand and as I pray, will you come this morning?